Praise God this morning. And you will be glorified. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. The children may go to children's church, kindergarten through third. Welcome to go to children's church. Enjoy the morning. Enjoy the morning. Praise the Lord. It is as important what is going on downstairs as it is what is happening up here. The gospel is being shared. Jesus is being taught. Our children are hearing the truth. Our children are having an opportunity to respond to the truth. And I praise God. Praise God for that. And um, what a time it has been. You know, we've been, we've been journeying through the book of Acts. And I, I'm going to tell you what, I've been excited to carry us through this, to, for us to walk through this, this book of Acts. You, you know, we started this when we launched, when we launched this, this new work here at Mission Community Church. And, you know, I, I praise God for what I've, what I've gotten to see Him do through just this study and just the many things, the many things that God is doing. And, <clears throat> you know, we've come to the end of that first missionary journey. We've, they're, They've gone back to Antioch, Syria. Paul and Barnabas have gone back there. They've, they've made report to the church. You know, we think that very important. That's the reason we stand people up here from Bal- that go to Baltimore and, and share. Um, comfortable or uncomfortable, we stand you to share. And praise God, thank you, Kim, for, for being bold and courageous enough to to get outside of your comfort zone and to share today. And folks, I, I tell you, um, Baltimore is just a, just a great opportunity, great opportunity to go and to, um, just to just to love on people, just to hear their stories. And I tell you, their stories like you're not going to hear in many places in this world. Um, and, and then to have the opportunity to share the gospel, have the opportunity to just see what God is doing in the lives of, in the lives of people, in the, lives of the, in the life of the church, in, in just so many different ways. So I want to encourage you that the next time we go, and, and sometimes you've got to remember, we, we, are, um, we have to work into their schedule. You know, this one changed because they decided they wanted to do a fundraiser 5K when we wanted to come. How, how dare they? But praise the Lord, I really didn't hear anything about the 5K as to whether it was a success or anything. But, but I know that, boy, there were, there were a pile of people there to serve yesterday. And it was just neat seeing all the different churches, all the different people that come together and that are a part of of that, you know, when, when we get there, when we get there, they they treat us like gold. I mean, they they tell our story of the fact that we're the church, we're the church that brings tuna, but we're also the church that's willing to get up early, make a make a three hour ride, um, serve for about three hours, and then drive for three more, 
And, um, and it's, a, it's always a harrowing experience to drive to Baltimore at that time of the morning, especially when it's nice and rainy and, you know, it was just one of those mornings. And then to drive all the way back after all of that, um, praise the Lord that, we, that we're back safe and sound and God continues to do great things. And I'm just thankful that we're a part of it all. So... Turn your Bible to Acts chapter 15. We're going to, um, we're going to for the next three weeks, we're going to deal with, deal with something that happens in the church. We're going to deal with something that, that happens in the church, and this just happened to be the first century church. So if we think, if we think we've got the market on things happening in the church, this was the first century church. These were the first churches, and this dilemma, as I am going to call it, if I quoted my brother Dave from yesterday, um, and I'm not, but um, they, know, they know what Dave said yesterday in his prayer, and uh, it got a stir, but anyhow, um, needless to say, we're going to talk about the dilemma. We're going to talk about the dilemma this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about the discussion. We're going to p- talk about the discussion that was held in the church. And then we're going to talk about the decision that was made. You all know that we had one more hurdle to cross as far as this PBA thing. This thing that been working on for about 15 months. 15 months we've been dealing with this. Um, really much longer, but we've been dealing with it um, steadfastly for 15 15 months. And I just wanted to let you know um, where we stand today. Um, The PBA, the body of the churches that make up the Petersburg Baptist Association, have decided to give us our deed of release. And that deed of release comes based upon the agreement that for the next 25 years, if any land is sold, we give them 10%. We give them 10%. And so um, we have agreed to that. Uh, we will be signing that officially in the next few days. PBA will sign, then we will sign. Our lawyer will um, finish it up. We'll finish it up, and then it will be a, a binding document. Um, and so I praise God for I praise God for our leadership. I praise God for um, He doing um, mir- miraculous things in the midst of that that body. And um, so that's that's where we are with this. And so we I, I tr- here's what I believe. Um, our church was planted in 1980. I believe in 1988, our church lost its autonomy, lost its ability to govern itself and to make the decisions that this church needed to be able to make. 30 years later, we finally have that. I think that's what this was all, I think this was what this was really all about. And and so we we have the ability now to make our own decisions and to determine, um, and, and we know that Truly, God is the one that leads us in the decisions that we make. We want that to be the way it goes. I praise God for, for tremendous leadership in this place. And, and just, but I just, um, I'm thankful for where we are, where we are today. And I hope that you are too. 
and we've tried to keep you informed, and we've, you know what, we've, we've, um, we've needed you every step of the way, and I thank you for how you've been there with us as we have um, made this journey. And so, Acts chapter 15, starting in the first verse. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem... They were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. May God um, bless the reading of His Word. May, may God um, bless our time together as we dig into this period of time in the church known as the Jerusalem Council, known as the Jerusalem Council, because the church at Jerusalem, the, the, the first church, the, the first church that was literally birthed there at Pentecost, that, that first church has become, in, in, in a sense, the mother church, has become the central church, has become the church that will deal with these issues that come up no matter where in the known world at that time they come up. The, the Jerusalem church is going to be the one that deals with this. And what has happened is this group of people have risen up within the church have risen up within the church. And oh, by the way, it's happening today. It's happening today, just like it happened then, that people rise up in the church and they bring heretical teachings and they bring heretical teachings and they try to change the doctrine. They try to change the doctrine of the church. And that was what these people called Judaizers, these people that called Judaizers that, you know, though they, were, though they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ per se, they, they brought with them, and, and, but they were false teachers. So, so to say that they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and yet they were false teachers, how can that be one and the same? How can that be one and the same? Now, I'm not one, and no, none of us are one, that was told by God, you are the one that's going to figure out a person's salvation. That's between God and man. I had many conversations yesterday with people who were right on the brink, right on the brink of making the decision for Christ. It almost went from Mickey's two to our four, because there were two that were so close. They were so very close that I was ready, I was ready to help them, help them in, the, in their journey. But yet they still did not make that decision for Jesus Christ yesterday. And so, so here, here we are, these, this group of people, this group of people, these, these false teachers, these, and, they, and they bring this message, they bring this message of circumcision required for salvation. Circumcision required for salvation. In other words, in, in, in other words, Jesus really wasn't enough. Jesus really wasn't enough. 
that you need this, that you need this as well. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 17 for one moment. Genesis chapter 17. And let me read to you verse 11. And this is the covenant that God is making with Abraham and the people. Genesis chapter 17, verse 11. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you and all of Abraham's family. All of Abraham's family and everyone connected to Abraham at that time were, um, were to be circumcised. And, and it, was, it, it, it was a sign, it, it, it was a literal sign of cleansing. It was of the need, of the need for a clean heart, of the need for a clean life, and and so on. And it it was something that God commanded in that day. But as as we know how how things flow, people carry carry things. I'm just going to say people carry things to an extreme. People, People can't, there's some things people just can't let go of. They think that it's they think that it's got to be this way, or or there's or, or there's just no way that it could be true, and and so on. And here these here these people come and they say that not only are you to be saved, but to be saved, but to be saved, to to have the gospel shared, to respond to the gospel, you've also got to be circumcised, and so. Paul and Barnabas hear this, and obviously they're not happy. It says they had no small dissension and dispute with them. I can imagine what that looked like. I can imagine <clears throat> that it probably, it probably turned into a very heated debate. You, you know, we, we have a problem in this country today, don't we? we we've lost the ability to debate without it becoming violent, haven't we? We've lost that ability. And, but I can only imagine how this, how this was going because heretical teaching, false teaching, had risen up in the church. How are you going to respond when that happens? How are you going to respond when, when that occurs? And, and, and realizing, and realizing that the, that, the souls, that the souls of people are involved in this. The well-being, the well-being of people's spiritual lives depends on, on what happens. You, you know, the one thing I praise God about, they had councils on top of councils that met back in that day. And I praise God that every time one of those councils met, it might have taken them a long time to get there. But I praise God that every time they came to the right answer, they came to the right answer in these things. And yeah, yeah I would encourage you, I would encourage you to study the councils that, that met over the issues that they met about. You, you know, we're, we're not, I don't know, I don't know what the next um, heretical thing that will rise up. I don't, I don't know. You, you know, we sit here and we wonder, how, how do we see this in our context? I tell you that we see this in the Southern Baptist Convention. 
We see it in the Southern Baptist Convention when doctrinal issues come up and doctrinal issues have to be addressed there in the convention. You know, we're getting ready to have our annual homecoming for, for our state convention. And, and you know what? It, we, there probably won't be any um, doctrinal things that will come up, but if they come up, they have to be addressed. They have to be addressed, and, 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 they, have to be, and they have to be addressed properly. Properly. And you, you know what? I can only imagine what this looked like. After, after Paul and Barnabas have gone through what they've gone through on this, on this first missionary journey, after, after they have literally almost, Paul has almost lost his life in sharing the gospel, in sharing the gospel and watching and watching what, what the Lord is doing, not only in the lives of the Jews, but in the lives of the Gentiles. You know, Paul, Peter, John, Barnabas, all of them are getting to see, are getting to see what the Lord is doing. So here's my segue. Here's my segue into what were your gospel conversations this week? What were your gospel conversations this week? Did any of you happen to have one? All right, well, I'm going to tell you, I'll start with mine, and then if you have one, you can add to it. On Monday, I, I stood before about 800 firefighters, and I got to share the gospel with all 800 of them. And I praise God for that opportunity. Then, then I had to meet our bug man. I had to meet our bug man here at the church. And um, his name is Eugene. And Eugene does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in fact... He is so mixed up about um, religion that he decided to study all the religions and, and formulate one that made the most sense to him. So I had a conversation. I, I, I've, um, I've had other conversations. Every time Eugene comes and does, comes and does um, sprays the church, um, Eugene and I are going to have a conversation. Well, we had two the other day. We had two conversations the other day. And I told him, I said, Eugene, in all honesty, I would talk to you to the point that they would call you up and say, how come you're late to your other jobs? But I'm not going to do that to you. I'm just going to tell you that this is going to be an ongoing conversation every time we come together, every time we're together. And so I just, I just, shared, I just shared about Jesus. And I just, you, you know what, I just loved on Eugene in a way that I don't, I don't know that he's received a whole lot of that. And this man is a, this man is a husband. This man is a father of three. And, and y y you know, so praise God for the opportunity. And then we went to Baltimore yesterday. So, I mean, as if I needed icing on the cake, um, I get to go and I get to share Christ with a whole bunch of people. So, how about you? Did you have a conversation this week? Did you talk to anybody? You heard Mickey's story. You heard Mickey's story. She got to share, and two people came to know Christ this week. Praise God. Anybody else? All right. All right. I, I just want you to know, it's, it's not hard to do. You don't have to be a preacher to do it, okay? You just got to be intentional. You just got to be intentional to share the gospel with whoever you come cross paths with. Just talk to people. And so here they are. 
And it said, determined that, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. About this question of whether to be saved, you had to be circumcised. To be saved, in other words, this was, this was an, an introduction of salvation by works. Salvation by works. Do you understand there is nothing that you nor I can do to earn heaven, to earn that eternal life? It's only because of what Jesus Christ has done. It's only because Jesus went to the cross and he died for us. He, he hung on that cross. He shed his blood. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he arose. And today, he sits at the right hand of the Father. And because of what Jesus did, he paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our sin, and we can be forgiven of that sin. There is nothing that we have done. There was a man that looked at me yesterday and said, and said, oh, the things that I have done. And I said, but Jesus will forgive you. He has, he has paid the price for everything you've done, everything I've done, everything we've all done. He's paid the price. Just don't die with that sin leading unto death, and that's the sin of rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't die with that. Because contrary to, to, to one denomination's belief, you can't be baptized for your dead loved one and they be ushered into heaven because of that. Jesus is the only way, and we must make this choice while we are alive on this earth. So being sent, sent on their way by the church. All right, so they got, they got them a dilemma, do they not? There's a dilemma. There's a dilemma in the church. There, there, is, a, there is a problem. There is a problem that needs to be addressed, so they're going to they're gonna head to Jerusalem. They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria. It, 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 don't you love this? Don't you, don't you love the journey? We've got to love the journey. That, that along the way, that along the way, they stopped at the churches that they were going to pass by, and they told them everything that the Lord was doing. They told them everything that the Lord was doing. They encouraged them as they're going to deal with this dilemma, as they're going to deal with this issue that has come up, this thing that says that you have to have salvation plus, that Jesus wasn't enough. They're stopping and they're telling the truth of what God did, of what God did. Describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. Great joy. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. So here they, here they go. And you know what? It's important, it's important to tell the church, to tell the church everything that's going on. Let me, let me tell you something. You know why rebranding went so well? Because we told you everything. We even told you when we, when we were going to go over budget. And you know what you did? You stepped up and you took care of it. You stepped up and you took care of it. Because, because I, believe, I truly believe you were with us every step of the way. You were with us through it all. And 
you know what, whatever, whatever comes up, that it, you know what, it comes down, it comes down. Your leadership does a lot of things. I want you to know that you, you got a great leadership team in this church. You got a great leadership team, and your leadership team deals with a lot of stuff, okay? A lot of stuff, and I'm thankful that they hang in there every year with me, and we continue to deal with the stuff that goes on. But from time to time, what do we do? From time to time, we realize we got to bring this to the whole church, and we got to let the whole church help us in making this decision. And, and, I, and I praise God for those moments as well. I praise God when we, when we call those special called business meetings and, and we work through whatever we're working through and, and we carry it on. And we've gotten to see that a few times this year, have we not? We've gotten to see that. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. And, and so, and when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders and they reported all things that God had done with them. But, but, there's always a but. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, I want to help you understand a little bit more about the argument. I want you to understand a little bit more about the argument. So let's go to Galatians. Let's go to Galatians for a moment. Again, these are words that Paul wrote. These are words that Paul wrote, whether he was in prison, whether he was writing to pastors, whether he was, you know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. You understand that. And so, I mean, uh, rightfully so. But starting in verse 2 of chapter 5 of Galatians, starting in verse 2, it says, Indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Do you hear that? Do you, do you hear what he said? He said, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And then it goes on. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Now, do you see what Paul is saying? Do you see what Paul is saying? And then he says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Okay, now it goes on. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love but faith working through love. So now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Just, and, and you know what? You could, you could gain so much more from us being able to read all of Paul's words, but I'm just giving you um, some things that, to think about. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God. Now, we've heard that verse before. We've heard that verse over and over. We know, we know that salvation is by grace and grace alone. By grace and grace alone. That thing, that thing that we're given that we don't deserve. That thing that we're given that we don't deserve. We didn't deserve what Jesus did for us, but he did it anyway. But he did it because, because God loves his creation. God loves us. 
God loves us and wants us to be in right relationship. Now let's go over to Philippians. Go over to Philippians chapter 3. And let's look at this argument as it continues to... Un, continues to. It says in verse 2 of chapter 3, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of, mutila of the mutilation. Okay, there were some faiths, some religions back then. Worshippers of Baal were one of the examples. But, but there were some back then who <clears throat> mutilated and cut themselves in the midst of what they called worship. There were people that cut themselves, and it was called mutilation. It was called mutilation. You, you know, circumcision was a cutting around Circumcision was a, was a good thing, but, it, but, a, but a God thing turned into a not good thing because of the way that the emphasis that they placed on it. And, and what, they, what they said literally was that even circumcision became mutilation. Even circumcision became mutilation because there was... If, if, a person, if a person thought that that, that that could take the place of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then what did we have in Christ? Then how, did, how does that profit us? And, and, this is what, and this is what Paul is going to argue. This is, what, this is what Paul and Barnabas and those and, and, and Peter and others, this is what they're going, they're going to argue about is, is, what, is, is what we have in Christ and Christ alone. What we have in Christ and Christ alone. And, and, and you know what? It, it's important. It, you know, you might, say, you might say, why did they have to air out this laundry in, in, this, in this book, in this chapter? Of, but you know what? It's important. It's important to know that these things will arise, that these things will arise. And you know what? From time to time, we, we've got to address them. And we've got to be able to, to, to debate, and we've got to be able to, to discuss, you, you know, and discuss based upon the Word of God, based upon what does the Word say? What does the Word of God say? And how, and how does the Word of God speak to this issue? this subject. And you know what? You gotta have you gotta have some folks that understand it and are able and are able to speak to it. And so as as the argument is being made, as the argument is being made, the the discussion the discussion begins on both sides of it. On both sides of it. And so you know the dilemma. You know what they were faced with. And then they're going to go into the discussion about it. And they're, going to, and they're going to hear, and they're going to hear both sides of the argument so that, so that a decision, a decision for moving forward, a decision that will determine whether or not, whether or not salvation requires these other things. That's the thing that they're dealing with. That's the thing that they're dealing with. And I praise God that we stand here today, that we stand here today knowing, knowing that salvation 
is in the Lord and the Lord alone in, in what He has done and what He has done for us on the cross of Calvary and the only outward sign, the only outward sign that we are called to practice, the only outward sign of, of a changed inside, of a changed inside is in the waters of baptism. In the waters of baptism. And, and, and folks, we got to be careful. We got to be careful because one of the heresies of today, one of the heretical things of today is that people are, people are saying that if you go through those waters, guess what you are? You're saved. Just because you went through those waters. And I'm pointing back there because there is a baptismal back there for those that don't know that. There is a baptismal back there. And I'd like to be in that baptismal a whole lot more than what I am. But here's the thing I, here's the thing I tell you. There are beliefs. We, we, got, we travel to Africa. We'll be in Africa in January. And we deal with the um, Zion Christian Church. We deal with them quite a bit. And one of the things that we realize, one of the things that we realize is that they believe that if you are baptized, then you are saved. And so they baptize you more than once. But anyway, they believe, they believe that because you are baptized, you're saved. And we know, we know that that is just symbolic of, of us being recognized with the Lord, being recognized with his death, burial, and resurrection. And so, again, um, it's just another thing that we must beware of as we make this journey, as we talk to people, as we share Christ and the gospel with people. You know, we hear, I, I don't know how many people told me yesterday, I don't know how many people told me yesterday, when I asked them if they had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what their answer was? Their answer was, well, I got baptized when I was whatever, okay? And they, and, and they tie that and they, now, it's okay to tie your baptism to your salvation as long as you were saved before you were baptized. Do you see what I'm saying? It's okay to tie that. If that's the piece that you remember most, it's okay for that. But the, but the problem is, but the problem is, is the, the fact that we say that, the, that because you were baptized, you, you, heard, you, heard my, you heard my story about a funeral that I recently did, and there was really no indication of salvation. But yet, when we got to the, when we got to the graveside and the, and the other pastor stepped up and said, because, because he was baptized into this faith, that he was saved in heaven today, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous... That's a dangerous um, step to take or a dangerous thing to say. And, and so again, folks, as these things come about, we have to know this word. We have to be able to use this word to address these things. So this is just given us, this is just given us a good old example. And, and you know what? And you know what? This argument, this argument can be used in many other things that come about in the church. It really can. The way in which they addressed it, the way in which they addressed it, the way in which, and, and thankfully, and thankfully, the answer that they would eventually come up with. So I praise God for, I praise God for God um, watching over his church, watching over his church through all the many things that the church goes through.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we want to thank you, we want to praise you, we want to honor you. And Lord, um, Lord as, we, as we think about your church, as we think about your bride, um, Lord, you, you gave your life for the church. Lord, you, you love the church. And Lord, as we, um, as we continue to... Um, as we continue here in this local body. And Lord, there are, there are churches all across the land. There are churches all around the world. Lord I, Lord, I thank you for how you are using the church for your redemptive purpose, for your redemptive plan, for your plan to reach the nations. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this church's desire to take the gospel to people, whether it be across the street, whether it be across the state, whether it be across the country, whether it be on the other side of the world. Lord, this church embraces the Great Commission. Lord, we embrace the opportunity to make disciples. We embrace the opportunity to, to share you with a lost and dying world. And Lord, and Lord, I pray that we would remain steadfast in that. I pray that we would remain intentional in that. Lord, that you would guide us every step of the way. Lord, that you would use us in every way possible. And Lord, we, um, and Lord, we just want to give you the praise, the honor, the glory for, for what you're doing here and what you're doing, Father, in in churches all around the world. Lord, I do take a moment to lift up those people in Pittsburgh. Uh, Lord, I, I pray over them. I pray over those families. I pray over those that are in hospitals today. Lord, um, Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, in the midst of in the midst of the evil, in the midst of all that is happening. Lord, that you would draw people to yourselves. Lord, I, I'm thankful that one day evil will, will be put away forevermore. There'll be no more sin. There'll, there'll be no more Satan. And Lord, um, Lord, I, I just pray that you would continue to, to use us, that you would continue to work through us. Lord, that, and, and, and that Lord, um, Lord, I, I just pray that more and more would be saved. I pray, Father, that the waters of baptism, even in this church, would be stirred on a regular basis. So, Lord, we give you the praise, the honor, the glory. All this you most precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together.